Well, good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, uh, join me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a copy of Scripture with you, uh, make sure you pull out your phone and go to faithchurchks.org. We're all going to read Matthew chapter 6 here in just a minute, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes to find it, log on. We're going to read or recite the Lord's Prayer all together, both in the house and online here in just a minute. So I'll give you a minute to, to find it and get it there. Uh, I, I want to say welcome, those of you that are watching online, and, and I, I want to say this as your pastor. Uh, I just want to say thank you. So many of you, we, you know, we've been doing this whole like COVID-19 dance for uh, 11 plus months now. And uh, many of you faithfully every week log in online, you tune in, you get through like the, the internet being slow, the weird buffering, uh, you ignore the weird faces that I make when the freeze, when, when the screen freezes, right? You keep leaning in, you take notes, and we, no matter you're in the room or on your couch, we are Faith Church all together. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to be sending out an email to our church, to you, um, asking uh, for kind of your input. Where are you at as we kind of move closer towards Easter uh, here in a few weeks? Where We're really targeting Easter as a possible return to full services, both in the 930 and in the 11, providing childcare in both services. Right now, we just have childcare in the 930. We don't have it available in the 11, but we are wanting to do that. And uh, But we need to kind of hear from you where you're at. And so as that goes out in your email, would you just let us know kind of where you're at, a answer the questions. It won't take you long, but it'll really help us plan better as we get ready to move into the next steps. And, and if you are not on a serve team, uh, we would love, we need you to begin participating, especially in some production and kids areas in our 11 o'clock hour. Uh, in order to do kids ministry, we need loving, caring teenagers and adults who want to see children grow in their faith and participating in that way. And so if you haven't taken that step and you're like, oh, I'd like to get involved, your first step is to attend Growth Track. Uh, Growth Track happens on the first Sunday, second Sunday, and third Sunday of each month. And so you can jump in and take those there. Matthew chapter 6, are you ready for the word? We are wrapping up this collection of sermons that we've entitled Practice Prayer. And uh, we want to read together this morning out loud, Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so if you're ready, why don't you read it out loud with me? Ready? Let's read. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well done, well done. Today, I want to bring a message entitled Battle Ready. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you battle ready? Go ahead, ask him, are you battle ready? When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, this last phrase, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from 
the evil one. Jesus was teaching his disciples in a time where there were um, a myriad of different viewpoints as it relates to like the supernatural, as it relates to like evil and demons and angels and like who is the one doing the tempting and, 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 and all of these things. There were different viewpoints, not unlike today. There are many viewpoints in our world today. In fact, when Jesus was talking, there were, there were three kind of primary mindsets that people had as it relates to this idea of, of like the, the dark forces that are around us, this deliver us from the evil one. There, there were kind of three different kind of mindsets uh, the first group of people were, were known as the Essenes. The Essenes were like desert-dwelling people. Now, uh, this is a little bit of a caricature of all three of these, but eventually, essentially, the Essenes, these were like the super spooky ones, the super, super supernatural ones. Like, like everything was like supernatural. Everything was like, that was a demon. I got a flat tire. It was a demon. I had a bad day. It was a demon. It was a demon who blew the fuse and caused my hair dryer not to work. And it's all the devil. And they were like, everything was super, super spiritual. Everything was angelic or super spiritual. And they lived in the wilderness, right? Like, they like, we're just, we're going to live out on our own. Y'all can live in your own place. We're going to separate ourselves out into the wilderness. And uh, they were a little bit weird, probably, I would say. Then there was this group of people known as the Sadducees. The Sadducees were a group of religious people that rejected the very premise that there was even a devil. Everything was socio-political and was dealt with on that socio-level. Everything was about social justice. It was about getting better in psychology, understanding your real self, and they would medicate everything. That was the Sadducees' approach to oppressive natures and, and the, the, the demonic or even like temptations that they couldn't avoid or they kind of always found themselves in a dark place. Their approach was socio-political. Their, their approach was to think from a psychological perspective and tell me how you feel and let me write you a prescription for that. That was their approach. They just denied the spiritual impact that would be around in in the world. And then the last group were uh, what's known as the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees kind of, they, they believed in heaven, they believed in hell, they believed in demons, they believed in angels. Uh, they were kind of like the middle ground between the Sadducees and the Essenes. And here in the middle ground, though, their approach was uh, you can overcome all of the evil in the world by living a better life. In other words, if, if you were living just this radically righteous, sin-free, avoid evil at all costs life, then, then you were going to be okay. In other words, they would look at it through a life based on works. And they were saying this, if, if, if you weren't winning, if evil was winning in your life, if something negative was happening in your life, then you were sinning. If evil was winning, you were sinning. And that was their approach. It's very, very legalistic. And Jesus comes and he gives a different idea. And he says, listen, listen, I want you to understand. You need to pray, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one in our midst. Jesus wanted to help us have a better approach to 
this spiritual world, this other world, the things that seem like are going on behind the scenes that we can't always see, know, or understand. The struggles that seem to be there, the temptations that you couldn't seem to overcome, the the sin that always was present in your life, the dark cloud that would surround your life. You know, in our day and age, we still deal with those things. People find themselves trapped by this darkness. People find themselves trapped by temptations and sins that they can't seem to get over. They plead, they beg, they try, they do everything they can in their own power. We we live in a world where people are searching for spiritual answers and often are looking in all the wrong places for them. We we have a world where, where there are people who are like, there is no such thing as demons, and they call themselves Christ followers all in the same breath. And we live in a world with differing viewpoints. C.S. Lewis, in his writing, The Screwtape Letters, said it like this. There are two equal but opposite errors in which our, our race can fall as it relates to the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. They don't believe, I don't believe it. They don't exist. The other And uh, he says this way, he says, but the other is to believe and to feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. It seems like there are two pitfalls. They don't exist or they're everywhere. And neither of those really are the proper view as we relate to this. I think that the very fact that in the ending part of this prayer that Jesus invites you and he invites me to pray this specific prayer. The fact that he invites us to pray, Lord, would you deliver me from evil? The very fact that we would need to pray that we would need deliverance tells me that there is evil that we would need to be delivered from. The very fact that he would say, pray that you wouldn't fall into temptation tells me that it is possible for you as a Jesus follower to fall into temptation. And the very fact that Jesus invites us to pray these things assumes, I believe Jesus assumed and his followers assumed they had the framework to say, hey guys, there's actually some spiritual forces that aren't good that are at play in our world. Don't bury your head in the sand, nor should you glorify them and look for them everywhere you go. But you you need to be aware of the forces at play. And we have a role to play in this. We have a role to play in the battle that goes around behind the scenes. We have a role to play in in the battle that goes on within you. You You have a role to play in this spiritual dynamic that is at play. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of, I don't believe, clear, concrete details as to what a demon is or where the demon came from. But what we do know from Scripture, and Scripture is incredibly clear, is that it is like a pervasive attitude or spirit that brings chaos, that brings oppression, that wants to create havoc and create evil in our world. There are these attitudes that are pervasive in certain spaces and times. And for the first century follower of Jesus, they would have been aware of this dynamic. Friends, I think we living here in 2021, need to be aware of these things. But we don't need to walk in fear either. So what's the healthy approach? How do we, how do we grapple with this reality that there is a world that we can't really fully see, but often we see the effects of 
Where, where is it? How is it that we can combat the evil that is in our world? I think you would have to be hiding under a rock to say there is no evil in our world today. Oh, there's evil, friends. There's evil, and our role is to go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you help me not fall into the temptation? Would you help me not be party to that evil, to those attitudes, to those perspectives that are unhealthy, that are demonic in nature? God, would you, would you help me not fall into the temptations that would lead me to a place where I would open myself up to, to, to other ideas and, and teachings that aren't true? God, would you help me and deliver me from this evil that is around me. I, th I think there are a few things that we need to understand as we look at this phrase and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A, a few things that I think we need to walk with an awareness. And here at the end of our time today, I'm going to get really, really practical on a few things. So I hope that you're taking some notes and thinking this out. Here's the first thing I want you to, to see today. And that's simply this. Temptation will come. Everybody take a deep breath for me and breathe out. If there is breath in your lungs, temptation is still coming for you. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. Doesn't matter how long you've attended this church or any other church. Temptation is coming for you. Temptation will come. Now, let me be very, very clear. Temptation is not from God. It's not from God. Evil is evil. Right? It's, it's like this. Uh, now this, is, this is my illustration. When you come up with your own illustrations, feel free to use your own thing. Uh, I absolutely dis find disgusting chocolate-covered raisins. Right? Like, who would try and put together something wonderful like chocolate and something shriveled and weird and just feels funny in your mouth and tastes gross, like hard as a rock, a raisin. Like, why do those two things go together? Like, like, this is what temptation looks like. It looks good on the outside, but there's a nasty surprise on the inside. <laughs> or like, this is temptation. Friends, chocolate-covered raisins are not from God. Temptation, as we'll see here in just a minute in James 1, actually comes because there is a sin nature that we were born into, and it actually comes from our own evil desires that we need to learn to crucify. There are evil desires at war within you and at war within me. And the temptation actually comes from the awareness or from, from the things, the evil, the battle that is raging on the inside of you and on the inside of me. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. It's not the evil, the, the temptation to do evil. And, and, and in Galatians, you find out that within you, you, once you follow Jesus, like his spirit lives in you and you've got this old sinful nature that you've got to kill and crucify and deny, whichever spirit or source you feed is the one that will have the greatest strength. You can feed your faith, feed your spirit, and it grows stronger, and that's how you resist temptation. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Or you can just indulge and feed and open yourself up to the evil that exists and feed that sin nature, and it will grow strong within you. Whichever one you feed is the one that will succeed. That rhymed, and I didn't plan to say it, but that was good. James 1, 13 through 17. Look at the words of the Lord here. 
James is writing and he says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like a shifting shadow. Temptation does not come from God, but temptation will come for you. It doesn't come from God, but it does come. And we need to be aware that temptation is coming from us. One author said it like this, God would not tempt us because he is good. God could not tempt us because he is holy. To be tempted, friends, I want to be really, really clear. To be tempted is not to sin. Being tempted is not sinning. When you succumb to the temptation, when you act out the temptation, it becomes sin. Well, because sin, temptation comes in the form of our desires. And the longer we entertain those desires, those ideas, that wondering, it then grows and it gives birth to something else, James says. And he's talking about the evolution of sin within our own hearts and how it grows. As followers of Jesus, you will experience temptation because sin still exists in our world. And there is a flesh that you have to literally crucify daily, Paul said. Because it's raging war and it wants to get you off track. But I don't want you to think that just because you experience temptation, then you have sinned. Jesus never sinned. He lived a sinless life. We believe this with, with everything. We hold true to this as a deep theological conviction. Yet Jesus himself faced temptation. So to be tempted just gives us awareness that there is sin at play around us. And it's when we make a decision to act on, to entertain, to allow those desires to grow. Then we begin to find ourselves trapped by sin. Listen, being a Christian doesn't mean you won't sin either. But being a Christian means you are not a slave to your sin anymore. You've been set free. You don't have to live bound by the operating system known as sin and death in your life. You can live alive by the operating system of the Spirit of God. In Him you live and move and can find your very being. Hebrews 4.15 says this. For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Friends, when you feel yourself being tempted, you can talk to God about that feeling of temptation. You can talk to Jesus about it. Why? Because he's been there. He's been tempted he can empathize and understand, yeah, that's really tough. That weakness is there. I see it. That's tough. We can take it to Jesus and talk to him about it because he's been there, done that, and overcome it. And he's shown us a more excellent way in which to live our lives in that way. I think 
This prayer lead us not into temptation. This prayer is not asking God to change his mind and not tempt us. Right? Lord, I'm begging you, please don't lead me into temptation today. I know it was maybe on your agenda today, God, but would you please not tempt? That's not what the prayer is saying. It's acknowledging that temptation is coming, and instead, Lord, you already know the temptations that are coming. Lord, you already know what it's like to overcome and face temptation. Would you show me how you overcome so that I might live in that same pattern and way? Lead me not that way, Lord. Deliver me instead. I love how he says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. He didn't say, lead me not into temptation, and deliver me from the evil one. I think that conjunction makes all the difference in the world. Because if it was and deliver me from evil, that would mean that there's a different thing at work in evil, and temptation is something totally separate. No, they are one and the same. They come from the same source. The evil one is the source of the temptation. So, Lord, don't lead me in the direction of the evil one, but rather, God, would you deliver me from it entirely? You deliver me from it entire me. Here's what we need to know. Number one, temptation will come. But number two, evil spiritual forces do want to attack you. Right? Like, number one, remember, friends, uh, right here, right here. Right, number one, remember, temptation will come. And spiritual forces will attack. There are evil forces at work in our world that are often unseen, and the longer they go, they eventually make themselves known in the world around us through other people, looking for other people. Sin leads us to death, and evil overtakes us. The evil that exists in our world, which is done through humans often, it's evil forces behind the scenes, pulling the strings, trying to move agendas that are anti-Christ in the world around us. Spiritual forces, evil spiritual forces, are going to try to attack us. It's true. Isaiah 54, 17 says it like this. No weapon forged against you will prevail. It didn't say no weapon will be forged against you. It just said no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you you want to know one of the, the greatest proponents of evil and causing us to walk in a direction that is evil in our lives? You want to know what it is? Shame. The voice of shame will speak so loud. It is the tongue that speaks to so many people that leads them not just to sin once, but into a life of sin, fully perpetuating an evil act again and again and again. It's the shame that causes you to stand up in pride. And that arrogance and pride leads you in a way that produces just this evil from in and around you. It's this understanding that, that there, the, but Isaiah says, no weapon forms against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. The Lord stands at ready. The Bible says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. 
Brothers and sisters, that means the enemy wants to always hurl accusations, guilt, condemnation, and shame your way. But there is a mediator who stands at the ready, at the right hand of the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. And every accusation that comes on your account, Jesus is there saying, nope, I paid the price for that. Nope, they're covered by my blood. Nope, no weapon. You can't accuse them. They are my child. They are not slaves to sin. They are sons and daughters. This is who we have as our high priest. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 says this. Be alert and sober. Be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Be alert. Wake up. Pay attention. Don't allow yourself to be lulled into a stupor. Be aware of what is happening. There is an enemy of your soul, and he's prowling like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He's like a toothless cat. (laughs) Making a lot of noise in a megaphone. It's all smoke and mirrors for him. Looking for someone to devour, who will believe his lies, who will listen to the shame, who will fall prey to the temptations and the evil and start living with a mindset and believing something that is contrary to who Jesus is and the ways of Christ. And he's looking to devour you. Jesus said it like this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. I've come that you might have life and life to the full. That is what God is after. That's who Jesus is, and that's what the enemy is trying to do in our wilds. Listen, friends, I want to help you with something. Satan was an angel in heaven named Lucifer who sinned and rose with pride and got kicked out of heaven at the beginning of the earth, at the beginning of creation, got beginning of time, got kicked out of heaven. Satan is a fallen angel. He is not a fallen deity. He's not everywhere all at the same time. God alone is omnipresent. Satan is not omnipresent. The devil doesn't have all power. God has all power. He's omnipotent. Satan doesn't have all knowledge. God has all knowledge. Say, Satan is this copycat wannabe. He's known as the father of lies. In other words, friends, Satan probably doesn't even know your name because he doesn't know everything. I can't tell you the number of times people have said, man, Satan's really coming against me. I doubt it. It's probably not him. Probably doesn't know where you live. Why? Because he doesn't have all knowledge. He's not a deity. He doesn't have all power. Friends, this is good news. Why? Because darkness cannot overrun light. He doesn't have the power to overrun the light that is within you. So when evil forces are at play, we don't have to live in fear like, oh my gosh, I walked past this psychic's house today and I feel like the evil spirits are coming and we just need to pray and like put a hedge of protection around some things and pour some oil and let's get the blood of Jesus out. Like, oh, it's just the enemy. He's a toothless pussycat. 
He's nothing. He only has the power. He only has the authority. He only has the dominion to which you surrender to him. The more you build it up like, oh, this is a big deal. Evil is all around. How about you just flip on a light switch, see what happens to the dark? Like I've never seen a light switch go, oh my gosh, this is too much darkness. I don't know if I can come on today. Feeling a little bit overwhelmed here. No, you flip on the light and darkness does what? He leaves. James tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. Bye-bye. Really? Are dark forces trying to come and, and at play in our world? Yep, they sure are. But someone lives inside of you who is greater. His name is the Holy Spirit. He lives in you and he is greater than anything that you may succumb or encounter around you. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, this, this is a huge section of scripture, but I want you to listen to these words for a second. Remember, te temptation is going to come and evil wants to attack. Ephesians says, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Whose power is it? It's God's. In his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against the authorities. It's against the, the prevailing attitudes of this day, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes at you, you may be able to stand your ground. Friends, it's your ground to stand. Stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Why? Because the truth of God's word cinches up and centers us. It strengthens our core like a weightlifting belt that helps you stand upright and strong. Your life is centered on the truth of God's word. It's like this belt that fits around you known as truth. You have the breastplate of a righteousness. All of your internal, most vital parts of your being are covered because of the righteousness of Jesus. You put on his righteousness so the accusations, the lies about the sin and the temptations that are trying to overtake you don't win because you are covered in his righteousness. And your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, oh, make sure you take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Don't miss this next part. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. What kinds of prayers? All of them. This whole practice prayer we've been walking through different types of prayer different modes of prayer intercessory prayer confessional prayer spiritual warfare kind of prayer contemplative prayer 
repeated prayers, supplication, and bringing our petitions to God kinds of prayers. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Occasions when you feel like you're being attacked and occasions when you may not feel like you're being attacked. Occasions when temptation is raging against you and occasions when temptation isn't raging against you. All kinds of prayers. And being watchful. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all God's people. Not living in a place where we're condemning other believers, where we're pointing out their sins, their fallacies, their falsehoods, where we're waiting to pounce at the minute somebody says they've been tempted. I knew there was something wrong with you. Like that's, we're praying for our brothers and sisters to be delivered, to overcome the temptation, to stand against the temptation, to resist the things that are coming your way. Why? Why do we need to pray? Why do we need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, deliver me from evil today. Don't lead me down the path of temptation that I know is at work in me, that is around me, the traps that the enemy has set for me today. God, would you just lead me in a different way today? Why do we pray that way? Because the temptations, they will come. Dark forces, they do come to attack. But God wants to deliver. God's plan is for you to live and pray from a place of victory. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Here's what I want you to understand. If you feel like evil is growing in you, if you feel like temptation is winning in your life, you don't need to sit silently in shame. You need to speak it out and talk to somebody about it. That's called walking in the light. And when you walk in the light, you can have fellowship with the light. And when you walk in the light, darkness isn't winning. Because you're in the light. Friends, the way out that God wants to provide, look, look, it says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He's gonna give you this escape route, this opportunity, temptation's gonna show up, and right before you double click on that, you'll get a text message from a friend to try and help you off-road that. Right before you're about to pop open another bottle, somebody will text you and wanna call you. There'll be something right before you're gonna lie on your taxes that rises up within you and says, no, 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 don't lie. It's not worth it. Right before you're about to post this scathing message about somebody or something, something will come and it'll, you'll have a way out, an opportunity to go a different direction. The Spirit of God lives inside you and say, hey, hey, you don't have to do this. There's another way. Here's a way out. Here's a way of escape. Here's somebody you can call. Here's somebody you can talk to. You don't have to sit in silence with your temptation. Friends, when you are tempted, the way out this is going to blow your mind. The way out is the opposite direction of the way you're moving now. You're moving in a direction and the temptation's there. The way out is in a different direction. It's not going in the same direction hoping you can overcome the hurdle. It's just making sense. I think I'll go a different route now. Thanks. It's going a different way. Friends, I think that when we are tempted, we don't need to be silent. We need to text somebody, call somebody. We need to speak up. Why? 
because I think the silence will eventually suffocate the strength within you to overcome. You find yourself no longer able to resist, it's because you've suffered in silence and you've been tempted in silence and you need to speak it out and talk to somebody. I believe this is a church where when we start getting in our small groups and we start saying, hey, this has been a temptation in my life, we're not heaping more condemnation or shame on you. This is a safe place for you to be you. And when somebody shares a temptation with you, that's not news for you to spread about them or for you to think different. That's a moment you say, hey, well, let's pray right now and let's talk to God about it. Let's invite the light in so the darkness has to leave. That's this kind of church. That's this kind of people. It's time that we no longer allow sin to suffocate us, but we allow the Spirit of God to strengthen us. I think, I think part of overcoming temptation, overcoming the evil around our world, how do how does God want to deliver us from temptation? He wants us to speak up about it. How does God want to deliver us from the evil around us? Here, here, here's, how we, here's how we do it. We practice the radical alternative of righteousness in a world bathed in evil. That's how we do it. Pastor, that was a lot of big words. What did you mean there? Here's what I mean. Instead of letting greed dominate your life, you choose to be generous. Instead of having a woe is me poverty mentality, you decide to steward every good gift God has given you until you see something change. Instead of allowing anger to be your reaction, you decide to walk in forgiveness. Instead of hatred rising up in you towards someone else, you decide to radically choose a different alternative known as compassion. Instead of being legalistic, you decide to allow the Spirit of God to lead you. Instead of being negative all the time, always looking at the downside, you decide, how can I bring good news into this moment, into this conversation, into this setting? It's a radical different approach to living a righteous way in a world bathed in evil right now. We just practice the way of Jesus. That's what we do. How do we avoid the temptations? How do we overcome the evil? Let me give you one last thought on this. Fasting and prayer linked together. That's how. Jesus encountered someone who was being controlled by demonic influences in their life. A young boy, disciples tried to pray. It wasn't working. Tried to resist it on their own. Tried to help this boy get free. It wasn't happening. And then Jesus shows up and he speaks to it and tells the evil spirits to leave and they leave and the boy gets healed and set free and totally changed and the disciples were like um we prayed it didn't work why did it work for you and not work for us and jesus said sometimes these things only work through prayer and fasting it helps us discern what's really at work in our world it helps us discern what's really going on behind the scenes in our own heart and life and soul and it allows us to be strengthened in prayer because we are fueling our spirit instead of feeding our flesh and fasting and prayer. Some freedom and victories only come in your life because you made a decision to fast and pray about it. It's both a discernment of what's going on and it is allowing the spirit of God to grow in you, develop and allow his power to be at work in you. If you're having a trouble with a sin, 
a temptation, a mindset, something evil. You have an attitude that you're not overcoming and you recognize it. It might be time to fast and pray. It might be time to do something spiritual. Because even though it's in the natural, there's something spiritual behind it. It's time to fast and pray. That's how God gives us a way out. We speak out. We practice a different alternative in a righteous way. And maybe we need to fast and pray. This is how God wants to deliver us. Friends, this week, even though it's wrapping up this collection, as you pray the Lord's Prayer this week, and I hope you'll pray it every day this week. Maybe you've kind of fallen off on that. I haven't been perfect with it these last few weeks. This week, can we all pray the Lord's Prayer every day this week? And when we get to this end and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, can we just pause and ask God, God, where do I need to shore up your defenses against temptation and the evil around me so that I can walk in victory this week? Where are my vulnerabilities? Where are my weak spots? What lies have I been listening to? Where have I allowed evil to creep in and take control? John 16, says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace because in this world you're going to have trouble. Temptation's coming. Evil surrounds. It's only going to get darker as the days go on. I've told you these things not so that you walk in fear, but so that you have peace. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. That is Jesus whom we put our faith. That is Jesus who wants to live on the inside of us. That is Jesus who wants to heal, redeem, forgive, restore. It's Jesus who's overcome the world, and greater is he who lives in you than the temptation that comes at you, than the evil that is in this world. It is Jesus, friends, that we cling to, that we hold to, that we center our lives on. For almost 11 months now, our practice as a church is to end our time together in communion at the Lord's table. And, and one of the reasons why we've been doing it is to remind ourselves that every day, every week, Jesus is who we need. Jesus is who we need. Jesus is who you need. Jesus is who I need. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that you need. It's Jesus that I need. I don't need more self-help. I don't need more positive vibes. I need Jesus. I need you. You need Jesus. I don't need more willpower to overcome the sin. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. It's Jesus that allows us to come to the Lord, to come into his presence. It's him at work in us that helps us overcome you bow your heads, close your eyes. At home, I want you to do the same. Before we take communion, as we linger and as we come to this table, we partake of the life of Jesus, his body and his blood, 
so that we can embody and participate in being like him in our world today. We pause, and in this moment, we just reflect and ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? How can I put this into practice this week? Would you pray that just right there before the Lord? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? How can I put this into practice? At home, pray the same prayer. That night Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he says, this bread is my body broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. Let's remember his body together. And he took a cup and he says, this cup, it represents my blood, which will be poured out for the remission, the removal, and the forgiveness of your sins. Every time you do this, remember me. Let's do it together. Jesus, stand with me in your home. Would you stand with us as well? I want to pray over you. Just real quick, right where you're at, just stand right there. Father, I pray for your people today. My brothers, my sisters, my, my friends. Lord, would you lead us out of temptation? But God, would you, would you deliver us from the evil, the evil around and the evil trying to creep within? Would you help us walk in the way of righteousness, in the way of Jesus? God, you are our deliverer. May we walk in victory this week. May we speak up when temptation comes our way. Would you help us to practice a radical way of righteousness instead of succumbing to the evil that is bathing our world today, a radical alternative to your ways, Jesus. And God, would you help us to pray faithfully this week? Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.